everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. I'm Molly. And we are a married couple with four children. You who... omitted happily today. Usually you say happily. <laughs> Do we no. have things we need to discuss? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I just didn't feel like I'd... I, yeah, we're happily married. Um, <laughs> if we weren't happily married, we probably wouldn't be doing a show together. That's There's true. that. So... Um, but we also, also aren't afraid to admit that we have conflict. Yeah, and I also admi- omitted our children's ages. So if this is your first time joining us, we have 10, 8, 6, and 2. Almost 10, 8, almost, 6, and 3. Almost 10, 8, 6, and 3. Yep. And, um, and yeah, so... Um, if you yeah. are not first joining us and you were here last week, you'll know that our 2-year-old, who will be 3 in less than a month decided to start pooping on the potty for the first time after terrible constipation from fear of pooping on the potty and that trend has now continued we're now at a week of her doing it she's excited about it too she is excited we she tells everyone i these are not the type of pictures that you can post in a public forum but i have sent to addy and to (laughs) grandma kitty did i send it to your parents too i think it sent it to your parents too oh probably one one picture of faith just grinning from ear to ear next to her little turd that she deposited in the toilet right before she flushed it usually i can't verify what she's actually done because now every time she goes to the bathroom she tells me she pooped and she peed because she gets three m&ms currently for a poop (laughs) and she flushes and claims that she doesn't need help wiping before i can get to it to verify oh that's so, funny. so the whole trust but verify is out the window right now. It's just piles of chocolate for the two-year-old who is potentially soon out of diapers. It's going to be amazing. Wow. Wow. And a moment of silence because it's really hard to imagine almost the first time in 10 years without diapers. There was a brief moment between Elise and Faith. Elise was potty trained for about six months before Faith was born. But otherwise, Titus was born in December of 2010. 2010. We're talking about 11 years now of diapers. It's a lot of diapers. Continuously. It is a lot of diapers. Do you guys know that the average, depending on the ex- how expensive of a diaper you use and how early you potty train, the average kid you spend... Two to four thousand dollars on diapers throughout their, you their used, diaper using. I used cloth for yeah, the first Yeah, I used two. cloth, glucoverie, and stuff. Was it worth it? Would you oh, do it again? I would do it again for sure. Partly, I used cloth on Titus because he had sensitive skin issues, and even expensive paper diapers were just turning his butt bright red as a baby. And the cloth, as long as I got all of the detergent rinsed out of him, were better for his skin. Hmm. And. One set of Grovia was about $500, and if you consider that I used that almost exclusively for him, I bought another set for Lily. so I had two sets of Grovia, so I spent $1,000 approximately on cloth diapers, and then I used, I reused some of them until we moved with Elise, and Elise was about one when we moved, so I spent a year out of about three years. So a third of Elise's diapering life was, and then we moved and life just got crazy. And I probably used cloth on her 
under a handful of times after we moved. Uh, and Faith, I think I used cloth for a week on her <laughs> and was like, uh, 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 if you could see, if you could see our laundry room <laughs> right yeah. now, that's the dirty clothes pile. And then if you could see the you don't want to chair see at right the now. foot of our bed, which is the clean clothes pile, you would understand why cloth diapering is simply not a realistic possibility in our world right now. Speaking of which, the piles of stuff, just just the, the behindness that I feel... I tried for a while to uh, do laundry on like Mondays with the kids. And it helped if I could stay on it. Because if you can get through it all once, you can go about three weeks before you need to do it again. And our kids are old enough that they can actually sort and fold. And the 10 and 8-year-old can put their own away if you stay on top of them to do it. But then I get lazy. The 6-year-old gets overwhelmed and... easily and needs help doing it. But no, that this actually goes into a larger theme that I've been thinking about for the last... Cleaning your soul. How your soul and your heart are like dirty laundry rooms. And only Jesus can stay on top of the dirt <laughs> and the mess. We need Jesus in everything. I'm having no, a hard time switching gears right now. No, I... You don't have to switch gears. <clears throat> into, into the podcast mode. I... Oh. You're just feeling... Well, no, I was... lazy. No, I was... I... Yeah, I mean, I had lunch with a friend... And then I got home, and I intended to get some uh, freelance work done for a client, and only to discover I have no power at the house. So there's no power. I can't do anything, because there's no power. I can't. So I go outside, and yesterday I sanded the entire, and started preparing and sanding all of the outside of the pop-up trailer to paint it flat black. Because that's what we do. We murder because out. We're silly. We murder out our our tent trailers. <laughs> <laughs> we're but gonna anyway, pop it open, so, and people are gonna be like, "Oh, that's just it's not Coleman brand. What brand is it? <laughs> oh, that's just that's not one of those cool just, hipster outdoorsy one. It's just a normal no, one. It's just a black. normal pop up tent. So I pulled it. I figured I didn't have anything to do, so I pulled it out of the garage because I needed to spray it off because there's just dust everywhere. And so I, I washed it. And by the time I got finished washing it and putting it back in the garage, I had power. And so I was deep in. Uh, in work mode, and Molly comes down. Okay, hey, I'm ready. And we, whoa, ah, uh, ooh, switch yeah. gears. Switch Speaking gears. Speaking of which, because I also am kind of having trouble switching gears, to be honest. Because from the farm, from the micro farm. Yeah. I think has I Hannah thought? Has Hannah thought about calling it like a micro ranch or something? No, like some super rancho, hipster. I think it. Rancho Pancho, but like yeah. a super hipster no, term. Like I don't know. I'm a micro. Farmer. I didn't ask her, but the kids Craft were farming. the kids were heartbroken to be leaving without a kitten. You should know. Oh my gosh! They even picked out the one they want. <sighs> so, guys, we might be getting another kitten. We almost got another dog. Just because we visited today, so we the friend that we visited. Hi, Hannah, if you're listening. Uh, thanks for having us. They have. All at once. It's they're on like, Instagram. Rancho Pancho on it's, Instagram. It's They're like a perfect Instagram But I don't family. know that they're really Instagramming right now. Oh, well, they were. They were for they a while. They started a Rancho Pancho. Uh, but they, they have this little ranch, and they have two calves that are six weeks old. And Titus and Lily got to bottle feed them. And they have 
chicks, but they're not teeny teeny. They're like awkward. Like picture like you guys. Teenage chicks. They're not quite teenage chicks. Gangly they're more like, preteen. Yeah, chicks. they're like they're like the lost the front teeth and the front teeth grow back in that are too big yeah. for them. Gangly. Yeah. Like you guys, you know, chicks have these like super downy soft feathers. And then they start like poking through like the big feathers, kind of like the big uh, the adult teeth on an eight year old. Looks super awkward. They get uh, real feathers on like wings that are like two inches long, and they just look ridiculous. So that's <laughs> it's, a, it's a stage of a child's life where you look at kids now and you're like you're not cute you're gonna, anymore. You're you're an ugly stage. You're gonna come out of this. At yeah, some point I love you because you're still my child, and I love you, but you're not cute anymore. No, not cute at all. But. Um, so anyway, they were kind of hard to hold, like, cause they're, they weren't like cute and snuggly, but the kids got to hold the chicks, but then the kittens are like six weeks old too. And they're just adorable as can be. And we do have a cat from this family, you guys. And by the way, the mom of the cat followed us around the fall course that we did at the park next door to their house. And I was like, okay, you're just like your daughter, Luna, who... She's like rubbing against, and then she tried to jump into the stroller. That oh, the mom of our cat. Yeah, our cat. See, I would probably be okay taking another one of those kittens. But it's the other cat who had kittens. I just have a bad. I have a bad experience with gray cats and Siamese cats. Well, they want the black cat with blue eyes. (laughs) Anyway, we will update you guys. I told the kids I would think about it and talk to their dad about it. I. I would be more open. The world. The world should know that. Dad doesn't matter in things like animals. That's not true. Dad matters in everything. Mm, not in animals. That's not true. If the I kids mean, want it, they'll get it. No, that's I did not tell true. Molly for those dad of you that, that are unaware. Let's not buy into the dad jokes. A couple thing that you weeks about ago, a like ago. a week ago, I learned how to weld, and Molly said I could get a welder. If I could get another, if she cat. could get another cat, I was kind Problem of joking. But I don't need a welder right now. I've still got I don't a whole, need a cat. I got a whole bunch of stuff to tear out of this trailer before I need to start welding things. Mm-hmm. Welding things back together. Yeah, and then we have a friend who's shopping around for used puppies, not used puppies, <laughs> rescue puppies, <laughs> and he found one that looks just like our lab mutt. And there's two of them. There's available. two of them, and I was like, "Bring one back for me." He's like serious. Man, Molly's get, like, no, no, we no. We get no. a put- puppy and a kitten at the same time, and oh our heads gosh. would explode because we would have to take them both camping with us. <laughs> That'd be four animals camping. No, thank you. We're not. We taking, have. We take four animals. Babe, we take four animals camping. Yeah, there are children. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So speaking of camping, I'm trying to. I feel like I. This is a rabbit trail off of something I was trying to get to. But speaking of camping, we owe you guys a sleep update. So oh, yes, we, we got do. an update from both of our moms and I was a crawl into bed <laughs> with the parents kid and my mom just dealt with it. And I, I now no longer crawl into bed with my mom. So she barely crawls into bed with me. You guys, I cuddle up and she's like, get away, go. That's off. because you do it after off. 11 PM. Off. That's when we end I'm, up turning off the light. Finally. I'm tired. And I have kids who wake up in the middle of the night crying. Did Even you know just Faith... normal cuddling, you're not down. You're not I down am down with you. normal cuddling. Did you know that Faith woke up in the middle of the night last night because she rolled off of the bed under you mentioned... Elise's bed and <laughs> so, she was stuck? So we have this old day bed up in the That gr- was mine so Elise, when I was a kid. Elise has the biggest room in the house, and she also has four be- three beds in this house. She has There's a bunk bed that used to belong to Tito. That's in that in her room. 
which is so fitting for Elise that she would have three beds. And so then there's this day bed. And underneath the day bed is one of the old school trundle pop-out beds where you pull it out and it pops up on the thing and it's a full-size uh, twin. Anyway, so a lot of times Elise will just bounce around bed from bed to bed to bed like Elise she does. likes to pull the trundle out. Or sometimes yeah, under. She'll sleep under the bunk because no, she- it's got a little fort. Oh, yeah. She'll sleep floor. under it. Yeah. So anyway, Faith has been sleeping on the pull-out trundle bed. Sleeping is a loose term. Faith is the two, you guys. And Faith, our girls are talking about having sleepovers and slumber parties, which is a conversation we could have separately from all of this because we're not big on sleepovers. We're camping practice right now, you guys, with these Yeah, so, so our girls, Lily, who is eight, was about to have her first sleepover with somebody else, but there was a judo tournament the next day and I wanted her to have a good night's sleep. But we only have a few families that we would do sleepover with because we want to know what their family cultures like how their protection you know methodologies are what their technology approaches how much access their kids have to technology things like that and just really similar family cultures that we trust so there's a couple families we would do sleepovers with but our girls are also you guys know Lily's the one who has had so much trouble sleeping she is now permanently moved into elise's room she sleeps on the bunk bed in elise's room and once she acclimated to that idea she has she sleeps just fine remember she was the crying all night uh i would have to snuggle with her and she would fall asleep with a death grip on me so the minute i tried to extricate myself she would wake up and start crying again so she's now we're back now to her getting a good night's sleep and titus who is 10 has acclimated to sleeping by himself in our basement He still sometimes comes up to our couch because he just struggles with insomnia in general. And he takes a handful of different supplements. Somebody messaged me on Instagram. I can't remember who it was. Uh, So I'm sorry that I'm forgetting your name right now. I feel bad. Lee. I feel bad, Lee, because I can use my adverbs properly. Uh, So she messaged me asking, Hannah. You just responded to me, Hannah, two hours ago. Hannah asked what we give Titus, and I I am not a melatonin person, you guys. I believe that mel- supplementing melatonin gives makes your body stop producing it naturally. And so I try to avoid melatonin. Zerabes is a natural cough syrup company that costco sells they put melatonin in their nighttime formula highlands does not and so i avoid zerabies even though costco sells it at costco prices but so hannah messaged me what i give titus is we do calm magnesium gummies because magnesium helps with sleep and the magnesium calcium combination in the calm gummies i give him i buy at walmart because i'm now hooked on walmart pickup where you just place your order the night before and then you drive in and they put it in the trunk of your car. And it's amazing because you don't have to go shopping with four kids. You just have to let them listen to a podcast or something in the car while you wait for them to load your groceries up. So Hello Bello has a stress gummy that has an herb called ashwagandha in it. And that is an adaptogen, but it's an herb that's supposed to help with stress and sleep. And then I also give him an amino acid called L-theanine that I get at our natural food store. 
And it seems like I don't always have those on hand. Like Walmart has been out of the, the Hello Bello stress ones for a while. And so he just takes the other two. But two out of three of those seems to be helpful to him. Plus, we use a breathing app called Respire that teaches deep breathing that actually helps. You, breathe, you use your nose, not your mouth, when you're breathing in and out. And that is helpful also. So anyway, Titus seems to be doing okay. Lily is sleeping in Elisa's room. She's doing okay. Oh, the other update, your mom, JR, said that <laughs> JR used to sleepwalk, which we have not dealt with in any of our kids. We deal with Elise has night terrors, and Titus had them when he was in preschool also. Elise is six now, so it's lasted longer for her, but she's a more intense child, so it's not super surprising. But she, not every, maybe once or twice a week, between 10 and 11, she wakes up screaming. She doesn't actually wake up, though. She's just, if you guys haven't experienced a night terror, it's really unnerving. They're, they act like they're awake. Their eyes are open. But for Elise, she, she's not, she can't talk. She babbles. She doesn't say coherent, even words. And she babbles. She, the only way we can get her to stop screaming is to force her to drink water. <laughs> and somehow that sensation of drinking water wakes her up enough that she stops screaming and she'll eventually settle down and go back to sleep. But poor Elise can never have a sleepover at somebody else's house until she stops with the night terrors. We're barely going to make it through camping season. Yeah, because it seems like things that disrupt her sleep also trigger the night terrors. Anyway, disrupt all of us. Anyway, JR sleepwalked. We haven't dealt with any of that yet. We just got everyone recalibrated to sleeping, and Faith is like, I want a sleepover with my sisters. And she's so used to sleeping in her own room. And she takes naps, so she doesn't go to sleep super. She takes long naps, so she doesn't go to sleep super early. But if we put her By to super bed... super early, meaning before 11.30 No, night. no, no. It's usually about 10 when she falls asleep. Oh, no, it's later Yes, than it that. is. No, it's not. No, later than that. She, we put her to bed at 8, 8.30 with everybody else, and she'll sit in her room, and she sings, and she bangs on the wall, and she plays, and she talks to herself for several hours. So we know that putting her to bed with two sisters in the room is going to be problematic. Some nights, she says, I promise I won't talk. And that lasts less than 45 seconds. It's not even a remote chance of success, ever. <laughs> Every night, there's no chance of success. But I've been moderating it with sometimes I say, "If you, the next time you talk, I'm putting you back in your own room. And she cries, and I have to carry all of her bedtime stuff because she has a special baby, and she has to have the exact same pillow. And she has two muslin blankets that she calls her ninis that she has to sleep with. And so I carry all of that back into her, and her water bottle, special water bottle. All that has to go back into her own room with her. And then she cries some more, but she has to sleep in her own room as a consequence for keeping her sisters up. And a couple nights, Lily can fall asleep over her but Elise can't so a couple nights I've put Elise to bed in our bed which you don't like but it's just so she can fall asleep and then sometimes I carry her up and put her in her own bed while Faith is still awake but at least she's asleep enough that she can manage it but 
the it's a reason stage, you guys it it's is a stage. it's a stage we're out of diapers now we're into sleeping but the reason we're persevering with this is because in less than a month we're camping for like a week and a half in this pop-up where six of us are in one small space and maybe bring with, earplugs maybe within the span of this month faith will settle down and go to sleep in the same space as her sisters. So it's training now for camping because mama needs to sleep. That's an important part of family <laughs> an health and function. Part of camping. No. We did pretty well. We me. did we did really well on our on our four night, five night trip last year. That's because you and I were sleeping mm-hmm. in a different tent. And than we'll the still kids. have a different tent. That has a pop up, but you'll yeah. still have that other. I time. might have to have me and Faith in that one. So. Why do you have to sleep with Faith? Why can't you sleep with me and Faith can sleep with the kids? Because Faith will keep the kids up. It's it's the separating Faith from everybody else that's the issue, not the separating. Let's leave her home. Me from every right. <laughs> oh, she's you guys. She's the stinking cutest. She's so stinking cute, and as our last, she's pretty funny. She's just she's hysterical, and oh. You know, I was I, I continue very much inching my way through the book, Raising the Challenging Child. And this last chapter that I've been listening to, they've been talking about the importance of humor in connecting with your kids. And Faith has just developed this funniest sense of humor. She just, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but she legitimately makes me laugh all the time because she's always doing quirky things and you guys will know this if you're parents that switch that kids make or if you're aunts and uncles watching kids closely that switch that kids make from just being goofy and cute to being self-conscious about being funny doing something because they know that it's funny and faith is full on she can she can make the entire family erupt in laughter by goofy things that she says or goofy things she does or the way she puts clothes on and says, you know, do you like my hat or something? And she's very aware mm-hmm. at how funny she can be. And I I like being able to revel in that. But I've been appreciating in the Raising the Challenging Child how... They, that an author of this book is works at like a treatment center for troubled kids, and so these techniques that they're talking about and the way of approaching kids is they developed them for troubled kids in a treatment home, residential treatment home setting. But then all of the counselors that work there are like, this actually works really well at home with my own kids too. So they wrote the book for the whole spectrum. Mm-hmm. And they're just talking about the importance of humor. And I've been trying to very deliberately, first of all, diffuse. It doesn't seem to work with eight-year-old Lily humor. Like, if she's upset and you try to make her laugh, she gets really mad. Yeah. <laughs> like, this morning, she wasn't getting her way with the magnetiles. And tried to make her laugh. Didn't work. <laughs> And then Faith, for some reason, decided to smack her in the face. Just, like, waved her hand in the general direction of her face and just made full-on contact with her nose. And it was an instant gusher. Like, such... It was such a bloody nose. (laughs) It was... 
like, I heard her. I, I heard Lily. I was going. To you the can hear the, the, the. I heard the cry, and I heard you say, "Faith, why did you do that? You don't hit your sister." And so I knew what happened. And then, and then I heard, and then I heard Lily's second level wail, and I'm like, "Oh, she saw blood." Yeah, it was. It was a lot of blood too. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, the, like, the bed is stripped of I've, sheets. Yeah, I've I've gotten Lily gets bloody noses, so this wasn't super shocking, but. I've gotten to the point where I was like, okay, don't overreact. Don't really react. But, man, there's a lot of blood on my bed right now. <laughs> anyway, um, Lily does not respond well to humor, but Elise does. Like, if you can make her laugh in the midst of her not getting her way or being upset about the other kids leaving her out, which happens more than I would like it to, uh, she responds well to humor. Do you think it's an age thing or do you think it's a personality thing? Because Tito, when he's upset, he doesn't. He doesn't do well with humor. No, either. he doesn't do well with humor. He just gets angry. I don't know, actually. I haven't really thought about that much because I feel like you struggle more with Titus when he's upset than I do. Yeah, he makes me angry. Yeah, <laughs> I I tend to understand, feel like I understand what he's struggling with. And I can kind of cut to the chase with him where when Lily is upset, I just don't know what to do with her. Like to this morning, she was upset about the magnetiles and then she got smacked in the face and got the bloody nose. And I cuddled her and loved her through the bloody nose. And then she went back to being upset about the magnetiles. And then we needed to make brownies and baking always makes her happy. But then I let... Elise sprinkle the chocolate chips on top of the brownies before they went in the oven. That's literally the only thing Elise did. And Lily spiraled back out, down into angry and upset. And I, I was, I was at a loss then. I was yeah. out of the. I don't know where to pick back up. <laughs> I was at a loss then. We were talking about. I was I was at a loss. I didn't know how to move forward with her. So we talked about the fruit of the spirit. How it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness self-control. and mm-hmm. self-control. And in particular, when you're yeah. mad at other people for not getting your way, it's the love, it's the joy, it's the peace, it's the patience, and it's the self-control. And... At this point, the self-control fruit needs to say, self, you're mad because you're not getting your way. Self, you don't get to tell me how I spend the rest of my day. I, being controlled by the Spirit, am going to take charge here and live out the other fruit of the Spirit. And it didn't really work. I'm not going to lie. It ended up in, go in the other room and start your math. (laughs) But anyway, you guys, I'm going to have JR link in the show notes. A YouTube video that is a song about the fruits of the spirit. Because I have struggled my entire life with memorizing the fruit of the spirit. And there is a YouTube video that 
just is so silly. It's like the fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. The fruit of the spirit's not a coconut. And, it, you know, all these things. The fruit of the spirit's not a banana. The fruit of the spirit's not a cherry. And I can never remember which one's first. And I actually bet Titus 25 cents once which one came first in the song, like cherry, banana, or coconut. And he won the bet. <laughs> which he said was like a couple of years ago. And he still reminds me which one came first. But the important part is, I can now remember all of the fruit of the Spirit. I can't remember if they say coconut, cherry, or banana first. But I can remember love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I and always forget the ones in the middle. Let's go. Love. Love. Ugh. I know. Kind of like with the Ten Commandments. Yeah, I could never remember the Ten Commandments until... I don't remember them in order. I do now because I've worked on them with the kids so much. And we... The first four, five, the first five we could kind of get through. And then it was like, uh, I don't know. And then we just made this chant like murder, adultery, steal, like of it, murder, adultery, steal, like of it. <laughs> and now the kids, our kids are young enough. They don't really know what adultery is, but they, they can say murder, adultery, steal, like of it. And they also be a Viking 10 commandments. Um, <laughs> I uh, I don't know how long we've been talking about random stuff. We haven't really gotten into meat yet today. <laughs> the one thing that about I had... About 30 minutes. We're about a half hour in. <laughs> oh, the one thing that I had on my really want to talk about today uh-huh. is... Funny, is it two Hannahs that I've been... It was Hannah that I just got a message from. And then... Hannah, you've been hanging Hannah, out with today. Hannah, my homegirl... In, I think she's in Georgia. Um, and I told her, I just met you and I love you. And I was like, that was a reference to Up. That wasn't me just being super weird. <laughs> Thankfully, she was like, I got that. Uh, uh, but she's a newlywed. And I was like, listen, I want to talk about Dave Harvey's message, God's Mercy in My Marriage. And this is on Instagram. She's messaging me and... <laughs> She's like, yeah, you've referenced it. I listened to the talk. And I was like, shoot, we've only been podcasting for a year and I can't remember what we've talked about. (laughs) But I'm not surprised that we've talked about Dave Harvey's message, God's mercy in my marriage, because you guys, we used to read, we heard his message at a nonprofit that we both worked at when we met each other. And he's given it, it was not unique to that. It's a talk that is available on YouTube in a couple of different forms. But it made such an impact on us as newlyweds that we re-listened to it around our anniversary annually for a number of years. The last time I remember listening to it with you was when we were, I was pregnant with Elise and we were driving to Eastern Washington for your cousin annie's wedding mm. and remember we got stuck in that yep like there was a wreck or something it was <laughs> the wreck we passed a toilet in the middle oh, of the wreck yeah. it was that it was that house or something that was like a house had fallen had fallen off a trailer and like basically blew up on the road whole house you know as and they do just, sometimes <laughs> it was pieces yeah it was such a mess they we blocked. sat for several hours in eastern oh, washington man, on the interstate the inter- like, and the yeah. clock was ticking for us to get the wedding on time <laughs> But we listened to Dave Harvey's message, God's Mercy in My Marriage, and not only after messaging Hannah about it, 
I've also just been thinking about it because it's such a great message for married people of all ages. He talks about, and I pulled out his, he has a book called When Sinners Say I Do, and I pulled it out, but the, the book, the message honestly is, is easier to get through and more memorable than the book When Sinners Say I Do. But the, he talks about showing God's mercy to your spouse as both a calling Remember, Jesus says, be merciful as your heavenly father is merciful. And in the, that's in the context of him saying things like love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. So he's like, if Jesus is calling you to love your enemies and do good to those who hate you, how much more are we called to love our spouse to whom we have covenanted a relationship and a lifelong relationship, and whom we have professed lifelong love to, and a love that involves laying down our desires and our very selves, our very lives for the spouse. So, if we are called to be merciful to our enemies, how much more should we be merciful to our spouses? And, and then he lays out several specific areas and he's so great with tangible examples about showing mercy to your spouse showing mercy when they sin against you obvious is kind of the obvious one showing mercy when they're just struggling with the sin that doesn't uh, that isn't necessarily against you but for sure affects you and then there's this huge category of showing mercy as we just bumble through this incredibly fallen and hard world, which is so much of our lives. And, I mean, I've been thinking about it as you've been wrestling with, you guys, JR, I don't know what you did. How did you hurt your knee this time? Fell down the stairs. Just missed a step. The kids say you were on your phone. (laughs) They were like, you're not supposed to walk downstairs on your phone. Was something the kids said at lunch today. <laughs> I was looking. I was looking. I had a pile of things in my hand, and I was looking at something on my in my hand. It was either my phone or the piece of paper that I was just given, and I just I just missed a step. I and you keep, had I, sort I, of I, my stride was too long. You had sort of pre-injured it skiing and in skiing. judo, and so it was primed for some sort of injury that we have not yet seen a doctor. If it wasn't, you guys, if so I wasn't really concerned about it. Even the hyperextension didn't feel that bad. There was no I was goofing around with the kids at judo and was just and I was hopping around on one leg with the kids and it just it twisted and gave out on me, so I figured it's a light sprain. Then I hyperextended a week later skiing. After skiing on it for half a day before. Um, and then I go three weeks, I was feeling fine. Figured, you know, it's probably sprained. Doctor's gonna have me sit in a brace for a while anyway, so I'll just brace up and go. Um, and then I slipped down the stairs and I, I think I felt everything tear and pop on the fall. So if it wasn't messed, if, if it was <laughs> definitely, it's gotta be like really messed up now. <laughs> so I, I'll be honest with you. I struggle with how your knee injuries, cause it was, we're now a year and a month out from ACL surgery on the other knee. And that was super traumatic for both of us, because Jared doesn't do well with 
anesthesia and it affects him for days afterwards. And then the anesthesia affected his lungs and he was coughing and not sleeping. That's when I thought maybe we had COVID. Cranky. We thought we had COVID in early March of last year, even though there were no documented cases in Montana at that point. But Nobody now really I'm, knew what it was. I'm not only single handedly managing our household now, I'm also taking care of someone who is cranky and tired and in extreme pain post-surgery and not sleeping because you're tired and your knees locked out and you can't move and I'm switching out your icing machine every couple of hours and I'm managing your payments anyway we're I'm we both feel like we have enough post knee surgery trauma that the re-injuring to the knee is really stressful (laughs) yeah (laughs) and I feel like this message, the re-remembering this message and the God's mercy in kindness to us in just a broken world where we, we absorb enough of God's grace into our hearts and we absorb enough of just being able to handle living in a fallen world that we don't lash out in anger or hold a grudge against somebody who's also wrestling with fallenness and brokenness and it's impacting us. So in the sermon or in the message, Harvey talks about losing his phone or thinking he lost his phone Mm -hmm. at the mall. And he sends his family searching through every store he's been to at the mall. And then he... As long as he's at the mall, he goes to the cell phone store and buys a new phone and gets it all set up. And then he comes home and his phone's sitting there at home. He hadn't even brought it with him. And he's like, now, if it had been me, I would have turned it into a lecture to my wife about this is why we always leave things in the one place. So we know where they are when we go looking for them. (laughs) By the way, I'm going to put a little ad in here for Tile, which has been great for our relationship. It's it's in my recommended things on the website. So you guys, these little Bluetooth tiles that you can stick in your wallet, like attached to anything you have a tendency to lose. And then your phone will automatically tell you the last place it was seen. So for me, it's my keys, my wallet, uh, my sunglasses, and I even have them hanging off both uh, head sets of headphones. And we have one in my wallet. In your wallet, too. Which and on we your have set had, of keys. We have, and my keys. So we have had an occasion where I left my wallet at Judo. Mm-hmm. And we knew, rather than freaking out, we knew exactly where it was. And we could call them and say, when you open up tomorrow, can you please get it? It's probably under the chair Molly was sitting in. Can you just put it behind the counter until the next time we come out for judo class? So anyway, tile has been great for us. Uh, We should send Dave Harvey the recommendation. But he he makes the point when he gets home, he's like, I would have lectured my wife. And instead, my wife turned it into an occasion for humor. And she she just laughed it off and showed me so much mercy and kindness in a moment that was utterly my own failing and i probably the best example i have of this in our marriage is you bought me a brand new microsoft surface got it all set up and i don't know why i had it at your parents house i remember it was on new year's eve i had it at your parents house it was the last night that all the freezings were in town for a freezing christmas a couple of years ago and we're 
I think it was the Surface Book. We when it maybe just came had because we just replaced. I, I don't your, even like, remember how many. We replaced kids we like had your nine year old Dell. Yeah, finally we had enough kids that getting them buckled into car seats was a thing, and you guys, I left it on the hood of the car, and it was dark out, and we didn't realize it had been left on the hood of the car until we were home and the kids were in bed and I went to look for it to open it up to finish. I was probably trying to write a blog post or something and back when I thought I had time to write things and realized, you know, doing the mental backtracking, I am text your parents. It's not at their house. Okay. 98% confident that I left it on the hood of the car and it fell off somewhere between their house and our house, which is like a 10 minute drive. And sure enough, you hopped in the car and it It was, it was in this, it it was in a snowbank, you know, on a, on an outside corner. So if Molly had left it on the passenger (laughs) side, we'd turned a corner and it was like, it was like a disc. It like, like when you throw a card, it just, it just stuck stuck right right in the snow. It was just sitting there. In the case. In the neoprene case. It was totally fine. No, it wasn't. The screen was completely shattered. Was the screen shattered? The screen was shattered. Oh, and it that's was a, right. And I it sent was, it in to get it. Yeah. It was a touch screen, which rendered it completely useless. Yeah. The memory was fine, but the screen was completely destroyed, which means that my negligence had destroyed literally a brand new Surface Book. <laughs> and you guys jr rather than lecturing me or freaking out at me was like well this is why we get the the insurance and it was fully insured which i'm extremely grateful and humbled for it's also extremely humbling to think really highly of yourself and then do something really stupid like that really humbling (laughs) well i wish i wish that i could keep that trend but then Elise apparently dropped my iPad. Your iPad that you just got, I just got you at Christmas and cracked the screen. We don't have insurance on those because because they're, they're almost generation well, iPads. Yeah, and almost disposable at that price. But still, it's less than. And then you dropped your phone in the parking lot, but we have insurance for that. Yeah. Anyway, so let's go back. <laughs> let's go back to the Surface Bug. <laughs> you don't want to talk but- about your iPhone. <laughs> Not really. We haven't fixed it yet. Um, it was like two days after she gets it. It literally was. You guys, the backs of the new iPhones are glass. Who would have guessed? You can drop your iPhone and pick it up and be super relieved that the screen is okay. And then all of a sudden you have glass pieces falling on your hand from the back of it. And they've turned it glass so that you can do like the contact charging thing. Oh, man. Um. Anyway. God's mercy to us in kindness and just overlooking all of our foibles and our struggles in living in a fallen world, to me, is the biggest category in marriage, especially in the time of life that we're in right now. And I'm going to here's make a note in your thing. Here's another link I'm going to give you for... I work for an organization called Canavox. It's not a Christian organization, but we pr- promote scientific and what's the word I'm looking for? Good science. So social uh, science, social psychology, psychology, as well as actual hard science, understanding of things that are marriage related. So most recently I've been reading, write this down too, 
a pornography article <laughs> that I I sent to you. I take notes because then I go to produce. <laughs> I started taking notes while she talks, so when I go through to edit the show, I don't have to listen to forty five minutes to know what the heck we talked about because I forget because I title the show loosely, and then I was like, "What else did we mention?" I totally forgot what we mentioned. So, so, so I'm trying to make a mental note of all the rabbit trails I'm on right now, but. The article I just sent you most recently about pornography, it's about how the social isolation oh, right, isolation social. of I never read it, young but. men in in video games and pornography is this is this vicious cycle where why would I talk to a girl where I'm likely to get rejected, rejected. when I can stay in my basement and I can be successful on video games and I can have sexual satisfaction? And what that does is it produces more loneliness and more isolation and more awkwardness. And so you're just going all these young men who are then, so who are designed for true relationship. Right. You know, our sermon on Sunday was he used the example of the velveteen rabbit. And you know, the velveteen rabbit only becomes real through hardship and suffering. And that's how we as human beings fulfill real life. That's how we really live, is through relational hardship, through disappointment, through suffering. That's real life. Like That's true life, is being able to live through all of that. And so young men who never actually experience rejection from women, who never actually experience real relationship, just go further and further down this rabbit hole of not having real relationship because they're being so conditioned out of it. They, their entire, their online life feels more real than their real life. Yeah. And, uh, but also, so the hard science part of that is when you, when you are pursuing sexual satisfaction through pornography, it actually rewires your brain. And MRIs can prove that there are physical rewirings taking place in your brain. So I'm trying to backtrack to where where was I going with this? Were you going to use your rivu- water rivulet analogy? No, I wasn't. I was so I work with Canavox Hard Sciences. I should be taking notes of Molly's rabbit trails. Of where I'm actually trying to go with this. What did I? What's the last thing I told you to write down? <laughs> Canavox. I just what's the thing Canavox. before that? Dave Harvey, Mercy in My Marriage. No, there was something in between mm-hmm. there. I wanted you to write down. No. You didn't give it Did to you me. write down the pornography article? Uh-huh. That was after you mentioned Canavox. <sighs> well, the most, I'm the most, uh, you, Sorry, it, it did prompt, it did prompt a thought for me that the most you you mentioned you made a comment today about uh, a relationship that we're in right now where the mother w- said something not helpful to her son after her son got home. And I got to thinking, you know, similar to all these merciful things when we're just dealing with everyday life, those merciful things that we do for each other can also be really healing. Meaning, when we first got married, I was still suffering a lot of post-traumatic stress from my previous marriage. And so there were certain things that neither Molly and I would have any control of that would trigger a mental spiral of some sort with me like the nearest i can describe it is i get i would get stuck in in an ever spiraling downward spiraling loop 
that if you read the where mentally DSM, I would just be it, it, yeah. it you could categorize it as a panic attack. Yeah, I would just I would start moving around 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 in these arguments and circles. And I couldn't quite I couldn't get out of it. Well, instead of Molly feeling threatened or terrible or whatever, she a lot of times she just put me to bed, <laughs> you know, or tell me to go lie down and take a nap or something, and then she would go do something else. Well, each time she did that, each time she responded well to those moments that had these panic attack triggers from my previous marriage, each time she responded differently, she ended up rewiring my brain in the process. So after year one, two, or three, I never had any more panic attacks. They were gone. And then our conflicts were not with your past. They were with us, and we had to figure out how to deal with that. (laughs) There weren't too many, though. Well, we still, you do things and I get mad because you're doing them against me. Yes, always. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying. Oh, there right. was There was a shift for me in terms of oh, like, okay, he's that. not reacting to me. He's reacting to the past. And, you know, I can show mercy to you and love you oh, through this. Oh, I see what you're saying. This. And like then there was a shift where it was you, reacting it's to you. you and you're me, like, it's oh, you and me against the world. And then it's like, wait a second. <laughs> like, this is you versus me now. <laughs> I gotta still show mercy. This, this is how this is, to yeah. Work. This is this. I don't like this as much. <laughs> this is a lot harder. Yeah. Uh, um. I. I suppose I should re-listen to our podcast and we can pick up where we left off next week with whatever I was trying to get to. Hilarious. But I want to end today with I was reminded this morning when I woke up of the ch- the verse in Hebrews where. The author to the Hebrews, who is probably not Paul, says, do not grow weary in well-doing because at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And as I was lying in bed, I this whole sun coming up earlier and earlier thing, I like longer daylight. That's one of the, the beautiful things about living in Montana, like when we're camping or at the cabin we can be roasting s'mores at 8.30 or 9, and it's still daylight, and it's delightful, but we don't have blackout shades in our bedroom, and this morning at 6 o'clock, I was like, I, I'm i not ready to be awake yet, but the sun was shining in my eyes through the shades, and I was awake. But I was thinking about that verse in Hebrews and how applicable it is. Owen Strayan did a, had a tweet slash Instagram post the other day about after the Chauvin verdict. And there were a couple of other things going on that day that were very deflating to me. And he was like, look, this is a great time to love your family well, to dig into the word, to get yourself embedded in a local church that values the word. And it was just so encouraging to be like, to be admonished that... God has not changed. God is still on his throne. And you, in your little micro world, make a difference by being faithful and by trusting God with your family. So can you change all the craziness going on in the world? No. But can you sing the doxology when you put your kids to bed? And does that actually make a tangible difference? Yes, it does. And in... In the everydayness where, circling back to God's mercy in my marriage, in the everydayness where, you know, is your knee still going to be hurt tomorrow? And 
is it still going to be frustrating to me? Probably. You know, do I become weary in well-doing, in just absorbing the extra difficulty that that adds onto my life and the stress of how are we going to deal with this in the future? You know, in terms of finances, we don't want surgery again, but, you know, what's it going to take to get you functional again with your knee? Am I weary and well-doing? I feel like it. Am I weary and well-doing with kids who aren't sleeping well? Am I weary and well-doing with the never-ending pile of dishes that I can't even do one load of dishes in the dishwasher a day now? So every night when I go to bed, there's dishes to be loaded the next day immediately. And I'm, I was just thinking this morning that I need to be exhorted to not be weary in the well-doing because I'm feeling weary and in marriages, in kid raising, in everyday stuff. I'm going to wake up like, tomorrow morning. I'm going to look right at you and go, don't be weary today. Right in your face. First oh, thing in the that's morning. That's just going to do me out. That's going to do my heart good. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you, I will respond really poorly to that. <laughs> How about you wake up and massage the tightness in my shoulders that's there because I haven't slept well again. I didn't sleep well last night either. But, uh, but anyway, um, I will try to re-listen to this, you guys, and figure out the obviously brilliant place that I was going with the point that I can't remember <laughs> that was now 15 minutes ago. <laughs> but oh. I would be willing to bet that most of you who are listening to us have some point in your life where you're being tempted to weariness and you have a promise from God that in his time, because his timing is better than ours, he's infinitely wiser than we are, in his time, there will be a good harvest from you not giving up and God's word never returns empty. And so it's never a wasted moment when you are weary to go into the word. I mean, good grief, you guys. I'm reading through Ezekiel right now, and it is such a slog. And then I hit like Ezekiel 34 today, where there's the smattering of good promises. There's so much judgment in Ezekiel. <laughs> and then there's this smattering of good promises, and that's what we need. The God's word never, never doesn't accomplish. So when you're weary, go to the word go to hymns, go to prayer, and he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it because that's the kind of God we have who is the ruler of the universe and who also is the ruler inside of us in our hearts. Amen. I'm I, I still haven't, I still haven't, maybe I'm just tired from all this lack of sleep, but I still haven't quite shifted gears in the podcast well now more. we're done and i have to go feed the kids i mean dinner. the good news is i didn't have to because this is just just wind up molly and go hour <laughs> which is funner put her put her in front of people and just say i don't know and then put her behind a microphone and you're i like to talk in front of people you do i just have true. to know exactly what i'm going to say to them oh you don't like well. the spot that's right you don't like the spontaneous situations where you have to be like i gotta go meet somebody new gotta make conversation yeah fair no problem well 
That's it for us. If you guys like us, share us with your friends. That'd be dope. Um, send us a message. You can email us at tb2f at pm.me. You can text us, or me anyway, at 406-318-7136. And uh, you can send us a message via the postcard on our website, tb2f.com, the number two, or toobusytoflush.com. Uh, and, of course, we occasionally write stuff on our blogs, but... It's rare. We have an Instagram account. I'm sure you can probably figure out what our handle is. <laughs> One thing we should post on our blog is my lemon angel pie recipe that I keep meaning to mention and share. And okay. Forget. We'll post that on the blog. We'll do that. We'll post her up there. So anyway, thanks for joining us, guys. And I hope you guys get some rest over the week. And I'd like some rest over the weekend. That'd be nice. But it looks like it's going to be a busy one again. Well, I want to work on my projects. I think it's because this extra contract work has has really taken it out of me. I'm not quite as refreshed as I usually am. Don't get weary. I want to do my own stuff. Okay, cool. Take care, guys.